just a warning, this is a conversation about adult topics. So if you have any little ears around, you might want to pause this till later. My name is Saxon Mullins. In 2013, when I was 18 years old, I was raped in an alleyway in King's Cross. Hello, welcome to this bonus episode of Mamma Mia Out Loud. We have cut out this special interview we did today because it is just so interesting and important. The conversation around consent, sexual assault, sexual misconduct is absolutely defining our time at the moment. And there was a piece on ABC's Four Corners on Monday night called I Am That Girl that was a brilliant piece of reportage about a young Australian woman who has been embroiled in a legal case about her own sexual assault for five years now. The events of that night in King's Cross would change Saxon Mullins' life forever. Saxon Mullins the girl at the centre of that case, chose to speak to Four Corners about her experience and about what she thinks we all need to know about sexual assault and consent. And we are joined by the reporter who Saxon told that story to and who has been working on this story for more than a year now, Louise Milligan. She spoke to Jessie and I. I Am That Girl was your story. You were um, the reporter on it from start to finish. Can you tell us how you decided you wanted to do that particular story? Well, we've been working on this story for about a year. Um, After the judgment by the judge alone in the New South Wales District Court last May, uh, you know, there was a lot of disquiet about the fact that Luke Lazarus had been acquitted by a judge alone after being um, convicted by a jury. And Sally Neighbour, the executive producer at Four Corners, thought it would be a fascinating case for us to have a look at. So we sort of had a chat about it and I went about trying to find Saxon. I got in contact with her and she basically said, you know, that Four Corners was pretty much the only media outlet that she would be interested in speaking to because she really values what we do. And so we went from there. In the aftermath of the show, um, the New South Wales Attorney General is saying that the laws around consent are going to be reviewed. Is this exactly what you had hoped for or that Saxon had really hoped for, that this conversation would would have a real impact? Of course, it's certainly what Saxon Mm. would hope for and I don't think she could even have dreamed because when I told Saxon about that, um, I'll never forget her reaction. Like I told her before the camera switched on, we were sort of sitting in the ABC foyer and, uh, and she just, her eyes just filled with tears and she, she was just, it's, it's the only time I've, I've seen her really kind of just spontaneously incredibly emotional straight away like that you know I think it it really came home to me at that point you know that this girl has been through this five-year ordeal and nothing at the end of it you know Mm. and this was um, a glimpse of hope for her to backtrack a little bit the way the the law traditionally worked under the common law there was no common law principle where if you are had sex with someone and you genuinely believed that you that they were consenting you couldn't be found 
guilty of rape, even if they weren't consenting. Yes. And that allowed for even quite unreasonable behaviour, you know, like an unreasonable belief. Um, in 2007, uh, the New South Wales government changed that and uh, and added this concept of there had to be a reasonable basis for that belief. And also the judge had to turn his or her mind to the steps that the person took in order to arrive at that belief. But we spoke to Professor Annie Cossens, who's a professor of criminology and law at UNSW, and she actually helped to draft those changes back in 2007. She was on a task force for the government, the the, the previous Labor government. And, um, and this case alone has led her to believe that we need to have another look at that mm. legislation and we need to give more guidance to judges and and juries, because it's generally going to be juries who are trying to work this out, about what is a reasonable belief, yes. what are steps, you know? Because in, in this situation, you've got someone who brings a young woman within four minutes of meeting her on a dance floor. She says he's tells her he's bringing her to a VIPI area. Instead, he takes her out the back alley. And, you know, none of this is disputed. And within four minutes, he's asking her, she says, put your effing hands on the wall. That's what he tells her. He says he didn't swear, but he did tell her to put her hands on the wall. He's unable to penetrate her. And she tells him at that point that that's because she's a virgin. And then he asks her to get down on her hands and knees in the gravel and arch her back, and then he anally penetrates her. I mean, well, he has anal sex with her. And then she, they finish, and he asks her to put her name in his phone. Now, not for her phone number. He doesn't ask for that. He asks her to put her name in her phone for what he calls a trophy list. Mm. Not at the time, he didn't say it to her at the time, but he later said that in court, that it was a trophy list. And on that list are other girls' names who he's had sex with in this alley and who he's had anal sex with. And, um, you know, if you take sexual assault out of the equation for a moment and just focus on the behaviour, I don't think there is any woman that I have ever met who would choose that anal sex without, you know, anything really that's foreplay mm. or within four minutes on your hands and knees in the gravel in a dark alleyway. Is there any woman in the world who would choose that as their first sexual experience? And what's going through his mind to make him think that she could possibly want that, knowing at that point that she's a virgin? But what was also very interesting in the show is that when you were talking about the Topman decision, she called into question this thing of contemporary morality around the idea that young that there m might be some young women who do want to do that. Right? And that Isn't was, that the case? Yeah, based on mm. one testimony by the sounds of it. Yes. Which seems yes, so outrageous without wanting to sound too sensationalist yeah. about it. But it does in that context, especially when you lay out the facts as you just did, that seems like an outrageous assumption. So the way that that, what happened with that, there was a, a young woman who was a friend of Luke Lazarus's who had had sexual liaisons with him 
and she gave evidence that um, that Luke had at one point um, she had said she didn't want to have sex and he had actually agreed that's fine we won't have sex then so that's mm. uh, the judge kind of liked that aspect of this woman's evidence but she also had said that she had had anal sex on first dates and the way the judge writes the judgment is quite circular so it's it's a little bit difficult but she does say that it gave an insight into contemporary morality so i spoke to stephen odgers about this he's the um chair of the criminal uh committee of the new south wales bar association and he said what it is is the prosecution's trying to prove that there is no one in the world that would that would do this right. and what the judge is saying there is, oh, well, here's this person who's had anal sex on first dates. But, I mean, without wanting to criticise her honour, you'd sort of have to look at the rest of the circumstances. Okay, there may be people in the world who have anal sex on first dates, but they do, do they do it as a virgin on their hands and knees in the gravel in a dark mm. alley when they think that they're going to a VIP area, just, you know, having a kiss out on the town for their first big night, you know, night clubbing. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> no. I never knew what panic attacks felt like until my incident. I never knew what it felt like to be utterly helpless. The first time I ever felt like that was in an alleyway behind Soho when I was raped. I thought that once I left the alleyway, all the pain would go away, but it didn't leave me for weeks. I know a part of me died that day, the part that trusted others, the part that saw the good in everyone, the part that held my innocence. I know this is a word that's thrown around so much that it was very brave of her to, to talk, mm. but... And and it shouldn't be, of course, in that situation. No. But you, but even doing it through such a very trusted um, show as Four Corners, she's putting her story out for lots of people to have a million different kind of opinions about her on that night. Was she? I mean, she seemed to be handling everything with such composure. Was she very aware of that? Very comfortable with that? Were you very aware of that, and therefore very protective of her? Yeah, I mean, I I said to her from the start, Saxon, I promise that I'll look after you. Mm. I know that I will look after you and, you you know, you need to understand that so that, you know, so that we can do this well. Um, and she was, I suppose, in the past few days, you know, obviously she's building up to this. Uh, we knew that it would be a big story because the case had had a lot of media attention but I don't think either of us thought that it was going to have the enormous reaction mm. that it did and it's very gratifying for Saxon that it did because she wants to get a message across you know that's her reason for doing this um and yeah as as you touched on a at law she has anonymity um and um actually in this case the judge had also put an extra suppression order on top of her anonymity that she enjoys so she was in the bizarre position where she was effectively gagged we had to apply to the court 
to get her to be able to speak and and the Lazaruses had to be contacted you know to see if they wanted to say anything about that and they um, obviously declined yeah we look we we got in contact with them around about the same time or I got in contact with them around about the same time that um you know I first met Saxon because you know my view about all of this was I'm sure that there are very interesting things that Luke Lazarus could say in mm. all of this. Certainly, having read the transcript of uh, the Huggett trial, which was the one where the jury um, convicted her and all the other judgments, he expressed bitter regret for what had happened. And I think, you know, he's had to learn some really, really devastating, terrible life lessons out of all of this. And I think that maybe you know, some reflections from him would have been a really positive contribution to the debate because unfortunately for him because of what has happened, you know, you Google Luke Lazarus and you see a lot of very, very poisonous stuff. Perhaps, you know, we might have seen the human side of him. At the start, there was interest um, from them but... um, but then it was decided that not only would he not speak, but his family, his solicitor and any supporters or friends who we had contacted and they said, yeah, we will speak with their blessing, they told them all not to speak as well. So, you know, I was trying to say to them, look, I am really trying to understand your perspective, but it, it makes it pretty difficult yes. when, when you're putting a ban on everyone you know, you know. Why do you think that they declined? Why do you think they made that decision? They said, they said that it was on legal advice. Um, I, I did actually speak to their solicitor and he was he was great to talk to, to be honest. Um, but I think um, their barrister told them not to do it. I was interested if after the episode aired, if there was any blowback towards your investigation. Oh, look, it was the tiny, tiny minority of... of um, responses that we got um it was generally from knock me over with a feather uh men who go by twitter accounts Mm. that have you know 10 followers and are anonymous um so you know i i don't really take that very seriously i mean and i was actually really heartened and a little bit surprised um by some of the private correspondence that we got from men you know, and even men that sort of I know that are not hard on their sleeve type of blokes, but just saying, can you please send this to Saxon, you know, and sending these like really beautiful heartfelt letters. One of the things that, you know, someone was saying to me was, so Saxon had a lot to drink that night. She had 10 standard drinks at least, Mm. you know, the judge spent a lot of time trying to work out how much she'd had to drink. But 10 standard drinks when you're 18 and you've never had that much to drink before is quite a lot, I would have thought. And um, But apparently the test is substantial intoxication, so whether she was so drunk that she didn't know what she was doing. And the judge found that she wasn't so drunk that she didn't know what she was doing. Um, but in the discussions around that, you know, I was talking to a lawyer about this and he said, well, you know, there's a lot of sexual encounters that people have where both parties are absolutely blind but it is enthusiastically 
consented to by both of them. Like, you know, they're having a great time. And putting a criminal overlay over some of that behaviour, you know, you get into pretty murky territory. Having said that, is 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 it going to be such an earth-shattering thing if young men and boys, you know, really start to think about, shall I just ask? Yes. No, it's not gonna ruin it's not gonna ruin the moment. Are you okay with this? As Saxon said at the end of the story, it, it's not such a terrible thing. I, I can't see that that's going to, you know, make the sex less enjoyable just because someone said, are you fine to do this? Exactly. And I think that one of the things about this report and the fact it, uh, about your report, the, um, the Four Corners one, and the fact it's being so widely discussed and widely viewed is because this can seem very confusing, the the issues around consent. I mean, I've found um, Topman's words so confusing about when she was trying to explain that, you know, well, just because Saxon didn't consent, but maybe Lazarus didn't know that she didn't consent and all those things. But when Saxon in particular at the end of that episode said that, at the end of um, your report said that, as you say, it's just... It's so simple. It's so simple and it's also putting those words into mainstream conversation and just allowing people to consider exactly as you just said, Louise, what is going to happen if people are asking that standard? I think we need to teach people about making sure that the person that you are with wants to be with you. Enthusiastic consent is really easy to determine. (laughs) And I think, yeah, if you don't have that, then you'd not good to go like all you need to say is do you want to be here and very clearly do you want to have sex with me do you want to be doing what we're doing and if it's not an enthusiastic yes then it's not enough i think if anything can come from this story if it's that 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 would be really great because you know one of the things about this saxon is very fortunate in one aspect and that is that she is a quote-unquote good victim you know she's someone that everyone Mm. can relate to um she was very articulate she was very i mean she was yes and she she did everything that she was the perfect victim yeah she should have and also she was a virgin you know you can't go trolling Mm. back through her trolling back through her life and in the way that often happens in these cases. And she um, also, she went to the police. She, mm-hmm. everything from, from the moment it happened, she was the textbook, what what we ask of women. That's right. And so if this can happen to the textbook person, imagine all of those cases for all of those women who don't fall into the textbook case but there is one thing that i will say Mm -hmm. the new south wales law reform commission um the the website is up and ready for comments on this issue i'm taking submissions um i if you google new south wales law reform commission you'll find it if you have something to say about this issue that you want to get across to legislators I would really encourage people to do that because you know we can all be part of this process and that's a really wonderful thing and I really applaud uh, the Attorney General Mark Speakman for bringing the community into the debate. You can watch the extraordinary I Am That Girl on ABC iView or at the Four Corners website. 
If this conversation has brought up any issues for you, please call the Sexual Assault Helpline 1800RESPECT or go to 1800RESPECT.org.au.